Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. All we're doing is creating private industry that widens the gap between people who have and people who have not. It comes down, PJ, to a very simple rule of be a good neighbour, talk to your neighbours. And I'd say, because of bureaucracy, I cannot get work permits. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right, a couple of traffic bits out of the block. It looks like the morning is clearing, but the roads are doing anything but at least not for now. There's an electricity cable hanging down between Ballinahina and Carrignavar blocking out one side of the road. That's just one of the notices we have. The power line is down. Very dangerous. It's dark and windy out there, so please be Cormac, as they say. Uh, there's a crash on the M8 Dublin-bound side close to care. Traffic's been at a standstill there for 25 minutes. We think a livestock vehicle may have been involved. So if you're on the roads this morning, do please stay safe. Good morning, 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. If anything should emerge from the court appearance in County Kerry, we'll bring it to you. Of course, it's a man who was arrested in Cork yesterday due to appear uh, in the court in Tralee today, or Kenmare District Court. Kenmare District Court is due to appear at some stage later this morning. So if we hear anything about that, we'll bring it to you. This is in connection with the death of Tommy Dooley in County Kerry at a graveyard on Wednesday. So, Friday we kick off with something nice and bright. Uh, Edwina, tell me why Tommy, he just came to you during the week and said he wants to sleep out on his birthday. Morning. Morning, Peter. How are you? Good. Now, you've worked as a volunteer with Homeless Services for a couple of years, but this still took you by surprise, I think. It is, absolutely. You know, but Tommy just has that kind of a heart anyways. You know, it, it just comes natural to him at home. And even when I was throughout working in the homeless, I'd often come home from shift and he'd have baking ready, hundreds of buns ready for me to bring back up to the homeless to feed them and you know, look after them and stuff. He just has a big heart. He's a good lad. Just randomly one day, just sitting at home, he, we just came across the ad for Shining Light. He asked me what was it all about. So, so we just had a little conversation about it, and he was like, Mom, I think I want to do it. Me yeah. being me, I just kind of left it over my head. Next yeah. morning, it was just hell led on. He just took charge, and, and this is where we are with it now. Yeah, no, that, this is the Focus Island event um, in, right. in October. He's very young at eight, so I don't think they'd let him take part. But what's he going to do? He's going to stay outside in the own, in he, his own garden. He, well, it wouldn't be his garden. So we kind of live in this estate where there's a big green area kind of yeah. in the middle of all the houses. And he's just after taking it upon himself. He's going and putting himself out in the middle of that green. And that's where he's going to sleep at night. Would you be worried about him? I won't because we're in a great neighbourhood as well. And we all kind of look after each other. Nice. He's well looked after, well, and I'm there supervising him as well for the night. Very good. You're living, you're living in Fremont, I think, is it? That's right, yeah. yeah. And is it a, boy, a big estate or what? Um, like, there must be about 20 houses or more there. Yeah. 
So it's fine and lit up for him. He'll be quite safe there. Good, good, good. Can I have a chat with him? You can, of course. Hello? Hi, Tommy. How are you? Good. Good. Tell me why you want to do this, will you, mate? Yeah. Um, I have everything. Um, I just want to be kind and to give him back stuff. Ah, you're brilliant. And you, yeah. you, you know how important the work is that mum does, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And is that why you want to help? Yeah. Do you ever wonder when you're in your own bed at night all warm and tucked in that what it must be like for someone not to have a home? Do you ever think about that? Yeah. What do you think it must be like? Um, scary. Scary, yeah. So have you got a tent? Um, no, there's this chair where you can fold it back and lying on that. Okay, okay. So you'll be out on the green, yeah? Yeah. Will you be covered over, like, in case it rains? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. And that'll be the night of your birthday? Yeah. Well, you You'll be eight. Eight, yeah. God, you have a big man for eight, you know that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're very proud of the work that Mammy does, because she's really proud of you, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And would you like to be able to... Will you be raising money for her, or are you just doing it as part of the... I've 950 um, on the internet and uh, 400 in cash at home. Get away, young fella. <laughs> yeah. That's nearly 1,200 euro. Yeah. And this is a long time before you actually do it. Yeah. Wow. When are you doing this? Um, the 14th of October. 14th of October. Well, do you know what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to give you 50 euro. Papi, tell something. Out of it? my own wallet, I'll give you 50 euro. How's that? Thank you. I'll get that organised. I'll get it on the on the, on the, the online or whatever, and I'll get it to you. I'm going to give you 50 quid. All right? Because yeah. I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Put me back on to your mom there for a second. What? I'll put you back on to mom for a second. Okay. Hi. Hi, Edwina. I'm going to drop him 50 quid because this is brilliant. Uh, he's delighted because I, I even know by looking in his eyes he's starting to wear up. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, that's that's just fantastic. So we, we'll, we'll I, 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 if there's a link or something, I can drop it online. And there I'll, is a sunshine and light book. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll organise that for him. That's uh, so good. Thank you so much. We're also putting the link on our Twitter so other people can get involved too. Oh, brilliant! Even better again. Yeah. So there'll be there'll be people people. We'll give them one. They, I think this is just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, look at the nice, look at the morning we've just had. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Joy, it just brings a bit of positivity around as well. I think just yeah, a child yeah. to do something like this. Yeah, eight years of age. He could teach He could teach a few of us a few things. I'd tell you that myself. All right. Ed, Edwina, <laughs> best of luck to you. Best of luck to Tommy. And we'll organise. I'll drop 50 quid on that. And we have the link shared on our Twitter. All right? Thank you so much for having us. Not we'll at all. Not at all. Take care. There you go. I could not let Friday morning go without doing that. Um, Tommy O'Donovan. Uh, he's doing that for Focus Ireland. Shine a light on the night of his birthday. And, of course, he can't do it. Can't go in. Join a big crowd of people down in Spike Island or anything. So he's doing it on the green outside his house. 0818 96 96 96. That's a nice, nice way to start Friday. Now, this is the day, if I'm right, that the junior certs were supposed to be out. 
And then they're not. And then there was a rumour going around during the week they're out on the 12th. And we don't know for sure. The Minister for Education said during the week it's not a matter for her. Hello? Look at your job title. Anyway, Pam O'Leary. Pam, do you have somebody... You, you, you're you a, a guidance counsellor and teacher at Educate Together. They're, yeah. Surely they're entitled to know when, even if it's going to be late. Morning. Morning. Um, yes, uh, unfortunately, my students seem to be just kind of eye-rolling and, you know, just, you know, more interested, I think, in the 12th date as the disco date because the tickets have been pre-booked, you know. Course, so, um, yeah. you know, um, I think it's parents are the ones that are anxious, really, about the results date. And um, teachers are kind of resigned, I guess, because communication from the SEC has never been good, the State Examinations Commission. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, the... the Students are cool as a breeze about yeah. it. They they kind of expect it, you know. They expected it, so um, yeah. But but it is a bit Irish, really, when you think about it, Pam. You know, this stated why there's no there's no actual reason given that I can understand, or if there is, it's coming in what I what I like to call civil service language. Well, I guess my impression of it is that um, they had two sittings of the leaving cert this year, so they had everyone correcting for those and didn't have any forethought into, well, who's going to correct the junior cert results in September when all the teachers go back to school? Mm-hmm. They were looking for people to correct. They couldn't find anyone to correct. Mm-hmm. This could have been preempted. That's the point I'm making, and the point and you're making wasn't. as well. Like they, no. they, they, they knew. They, yeah. knew, they knew this was it going did. to be the way. You know? They did, but this is the ongoing theme, PJ. It's a lack of communication yeah. and a lack of forward planning. It's the ongoing theme throughout yeah. Just the junior search. Now, even even Hall Martin said this week he doesn't know what's happening, and Minister well, Norma Foley said she doesn't know what's happening. To which I said, "Hold on a second, now, Norma. The, the, who's in charge? Who's in charge? You know, the sign at the front of your office should tell you something about who should know who's in charge here." Well, the rumor in Cork about the twelfth actually came from the pre-booking of the disco tickets. That's where the oh. rumour came from. And if that's the state of play, then that's, you know, really embarrassing as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the, the, I, and even if it is a thing that Norma Foley or Michal Martin don't know the date, you have to ask yeah. yourself the question, who runs the blasted country? Can they not turn around and say yeah. to the State Examinations Commission, we want a commitment to a date immediately? Mm. Yeah, or at least communicate if there's been some sort of mistake or if they've not done this right to come out and say, we're sorry, you know, we just, we, we didn't uh, anticipate this happening this year. It'll be a few more weeks. It'll be November the 15th or whenever. They just, the kids just want to date. Yes. You know, they just want to be able to celebrate and enjoy it. Um, and no, there isn't one. It's just constant rolling coverage of when, 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 when. So, yeah, it's just a bit embarrassing, really. I see it as that. Are there youngsters trying to base subject choices on this, Pam, on a more serious note? Not really. Not not in what I can see. I think transition year is an excellent year for exploring those types of options. And there's all sorts of ways we can, you know, there's huge growth and development in a student from age 15 to 16. And transition year has a big part to play in that. I suppose my students don't really start thinking about subject choice till well after the junior start results. Maybe actually January of transition year when we do our subject choices in the school. So, yes, I suppose it can give a kind of a, I suppose, a, 
a baseline indicator of how someone is doing in a subject. But in, in terms of subject choice, people have loads of different reasons for choosing subjects and also to do with the school and what subjects they offer. So I, I would say it has a small bit of impact, but it's not a, a huge indicator of what you should choose for senior cycle. Yeah, but just at least let's 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 have a date and let's have the people that are paid extraordinary salaries to run the run the country. Let us Absolutely. have. Absolutely, like just to me, it demeans the process, like doesn't it? It, it kind of just minimizes the whole thing, and it's such a big thing for fourteen, fifteen-year-olds to sit a state exam. It's it just is. demeaning the process a bit, and well, you know, it's just a bit frustrating I for think them. It probably makes them feel disrespected, Pam. Yeah, I I would say so. No, the, the guys that I teach are, are are pretty cool about it. They're they're kind of just eye rolling, and they're COVID kids as well. So they've yeah. been through a lot, you know. So they're just kind of going, <laughs> this, "Oh, this look, is nothing you know, new to them." Like you know? nothing new, nothing new. It's just more of the same, you know. So they're 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 excited for it, but they're also a little bit um, nonchalant as well. Yeah, as as only fourteen and fifteen year olds can be. But you know yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, you you teach. And you're a guidance counsellor. I don't know whether yeah. you're a parent of teenagers, but 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 I have been. That eye roll speaks a thousand words. Oh, it words. does. It does indeed. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say now they just want to know the date so they can you know use the tickets that they've bought and exactly. you know the, the results almost at this stage are kind of secondary. That, um, you know that's right. that's that's being fifteen. You know. Right, Pam. Thanks. That's uh, Pam O'Leary from Cork Educate Together. No sign of the junior cert. It was to be today. A rumour started by a promoter that it would be the 12th because that's the date the promoter had booked for a disco. There's no confirmation of the 12th. Norma Foley, the Minister for Education, says she doesn't know and it's not down to her. It's down to the State Examinations Commission. The Taoiseach Michal Martin says he doesn't know what's happening. So, 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 like, who the hell does? And could the State Examination Commission not be told, all right, lads, now you have a deadline. You have a deadline at this stage. Let's at least have a date. Let's please have a date here. How long are you going to keep these kids waiting and their parents? 0818 96 96 96. Hi, PJ. When you have Tommy on the radio talking about sleeping out for the homeless, will you tell him all of his friends are very proud of him? And that's from his friend Reese. Absolutely. Boys and girls, after listening to little Tommy, I want to do something too. Can I pack my barbecue and head down and cook breakfast for the people watching out for Tommy on the Green? Wouldn't that be a lovely idea? I don't know where you are or who you are, but it's a nice idea. I don't imagine that by the time this comes round, it'll be anything like barbecue weather. But you'd never know. We could get a load of breakfast rolls or something dropped up to them. Corks 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles. We want to send you and a friend to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. You know, it's not the same as it was. Five nights in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. You're so Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. Win your way to Harry Styles live in Rio. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, we were talking to Neil Grant down at the wonderful Celtic Ross when he got his ESB bill or his last electricity bill uh, last month. Um, Neil, how much was your bill 
this time last year, just to start? I think this time last year we were 8,833 for August. Now, bear in mind this is August, so we're a month sure. behind. It's taken us a month to get the, the actual bill. So, But right. yeah, August 21 was 8,833. 8,833. So what, that's about what about two grand a week, about 2,200 yeah. a week. You're talking what, yeah. about, about, about three or 400 quid a day. Yeah, you just got yeah. the you got you just got the latest one. How much, Neil? Twenty four thousand six hundred and sixty nine euros. So, uh, yeah, three times. And I, I, yeah, and that, like July was look July was the big shock because that was the first time we'd been out of contract, so that had jumped. Um, but this one is uh, has jumped again. So I think like the kilowatt hour rate has changed from thirty two cents. Uh, per kilowatt hour in July to 46.94 in August. And actually, I saw last night there was people tweeting about the fact that they've been quoted 63 cents <laughs> per kilowatt hour. So whatever I'm going through, there's certainly others that are going through worse than me, but it's bad enough. That's uh, you, How on earth are you going to pay that? Um, to be honest, you're still in that. Uh, it's coming out the summer months. They're two summer months. So in the grand scheme of things, you look at it and... Uh, you can probably, uh, you think you can swallow it in the summer months, but then it's when you look at, uh, you know, we're we're going into four months where they're normally loss-making, kind of November through February in the winter in West Cork can always be a wee bit of a challenge to uh, to, to make money just because of the footfall. So it's when you, you look at where you're at now and then you project forward in the cash flow, uh, which thankfully isn't my job to do that. Jeremy, my accountant, does it, but... When you, you look forward, that's when you realise that it's actually going to bite. But I think our consumption month to month, because we have a pool uh, and the facilities associated with that, you know, it's amazing that whilst you've got more footfall in the summer, you've got more demand on heat and light in the winter, yes. uh, even if the footfall is less. So it tends to balance out and not be a million miles away consumption-wise. Um but um, but look, we're we're working on on a project. We hope will come to fruition in the next few weeks. We've we've uh, made an update to our our heating system and boiler boiler system. We're hoping that allows us to produce energy. But that's <clears throat> a wee bit delayed. Yeah. Um. And it's a race against time now to make sure that we get that sorted so that we don't face twenty six thousand a month for the next number of months. That's, but that's, but that's I, not sustainable yeah. in all reality. Now, the government made an announcement, didn't they, Neil, uh, called the TBESS, the TBES. Yeah. Uh, is that worth anything to you, looking at that bit in front of you now? Uh, well, I suppose, like, first of all, July and August don't qualify, so they're done and dusted. They're oh, gone, really? Uh, which I think, yeah, which was a shock to, I think, Organico and Bantry put something up because... Obviously, I tweeted about it, and then they said, "What? I didn't realise that it wasn't. Uh, it, it's been backdated to the first of September. So those July and August bills, they're they're done and dusted as far as the TBS uh, uh, scheme is concerned. Now, if if August did qualify, I reckon just calculating it crudely, it probably we would get a rebate of about six thousand two hundred or six thousand three hundred. But that still leaves a shortfall." Uh, year on year of 9,500. So it's nearly 10,000 euros we still have to find, even if we do get that that TBES uh, support. Uh, so like in context, for the next six months, if we if our bills 
you know, were negatively impacted year on year to the tune of about 90,000 euros or whatever, we'd get about 30 something back, you know, the low 30s back. So you're still over six months, you're going to lose 60 grand. Wow. Like that's, that's not, that's not small money. No. Uh, and we're not the biggest hotel in the world. Uh, we're not the smallest, but if you, I think everything's relative. But, if you look but you at, know what uh, you, you are, know. Neil, and I'll give you this much, much, and I, I'm not blowing anything up anywhere, as they say. You're one of the ones that deliberately decided you weren't going to rip people off. You deliberately uh, kept at, your, pr- yeah. you minded your prices, you minded your food prices, you minded your accommodation <laughs> prices. You've done well through this. You've done well by your customers, and you're faced with these bills. Yeah, like I think our our food margin is has taken a hit by about kind of four or five percent uh, year on year. Like in a month, it can it can cost you in cash terms. It can be anything around, uh, you know, five thousand euros or or whatever a month uh, that we lose in food cost, and that's purely because we moved the the food prices up to the level we thought we could without annoying people, uh, you know. Yeah. And then at that at that point, it, then any increase that happens in food. Uh, just just cuts. I think I just to put some context on it, like uh, we we were chatting to politicians, a few of us around West Cork, because a few hoteliers got together, and just anecdotally chatting to them, chatting about their labour costs, their food costs, and whatever. And every euro in a menu, between about four or five of us, every euro in a menu that was spent, there was about forty to forty-five cents going on labour. There was about thirty to thirty-five cents going on food cost. Mm-hmm. Then obviously the VAT. Uh, if you take that off the, the actual menu price, and so you're you're nearly at ninety cents gone just on those three things out of every euro, and that's before your energy bill, before your rates, before your consumables, before your insurance costs. So that says something to you about the food business. You know, if you're a restaurant, if you're a cafe, if you're a hotel that has a very small number of rooms, you're really you're you're playing with cents out of the euro that you're you're taking back and then if something <clears throat> excuse me something unforeseen happens you know with pricing then and you can't pass that price on then you're really you're in loss making territory mm. that's the reality come the 1st of january uh, the minimum wage is going up and come february if i'm remembering correctly the vat is going back up that's not yeah. going to be easy to deal with either of those no, I like. I mean, at the end of the day, it's an increase. I think there's a lot, a lot. Do you know? There's the good thing. I think when you're ever in a meeting with hoteliers, the first thing they say, none of them are, are you know, are quibbling about you know minimum wage going up in the sense that we all want to pay our staff well. But the reality is, it's it's a big increase, so it's going to have a knock on in the business. Um, I think uh, looking at the latest hotel reports, I think uh, you know payroll percentages have gone up about ten ten percent already. Mm. Uh, or something like that over the period, so that will hit. But that's that's the one you least you, you want to look after your team. So you, you roll with that. But I think the VAT is just a no-brainer. I think if there's one mechanism that can be given to help us, it's just leaving the VAT as is. Like mm. uh, you know, again in that like in that little calculation I talked you through a minute ago, if that VAT becomes thirteen, uh, you know, thirteen and a half uh, rather than the nine. Uh, uh, cents in the euro on the menu, then that's that's another you know four four and a half cents out of every euro on a menu, you know. So yeah. it, it just it can't happen. Like it's it's the fact that even considering it, I just it baffles me yeah. um, because it, it doesn't uh, 
I, I don't know what reality we're we're basing some decisions on, but uh, but certainly I'm chatting to a lot of people down here, cafes, restaurants, hotels, and we're all saying the same thing. So, mm. are you going to be able to keep a full service going during the winter? Uh, there's a goal at the moment. There's, thank God, there is uh, probably there's definitely better business in the books than there was this time last year. Good, uh, good. You know, uh, which is good. There's some good function business every weekend, which uh, you know, which is uh, which is a bonus. So, I mean, looking at what's in the books, as you would each year, you kind of make a call and you go right. There's enough on that we need to go for it and we need to stay. Uh, you know, open, but obviously you're then just being a wee bit more cautious with you know the number of staff you're throwing at it, and then from time to time you might get a hit. Uh, you know, at a time when you've got a few staff on and it's a bit busier than you expect, and and so on. And um, so I think, look, you take each month as it comes. Okay. We've got we've got forty to forty five core staff that are amazing that we will protect at all at all costs. And if uh, a decision comes and you go, look, to protect them and to cut back a bit, will we shut a couple of days and keep everyone else in full-time employment, but then throw everything at it for five days? That's a call you might make down the line. And okay. uh, I think we got used to that in COVID. It's making quick decisions, you know, off the hoof, uh, you know, reacting. So look, that, that's where we are now. Okay. Okay. Some big decisions ahead. Thank you very much. Neil Grant, he's the gaffer at the wonderful County Gross Hotel in Roscarbury. This time last year, his Electricity bill was 8,833. Today, sitting in front of him on the desk in his office, is a bill for 24,669 yo-yos. I'm talking about money. The TD's pay rise has kicked in this week. Since the 1st of October, a TD's salary is €102,204 a year. Sorry, were you sitting down for that? 102,204 a year, which is the third highest in a survey across the EU that the Sun did, the Irish Sun did. And they went through some of the TDs who said they were going to not take it. Uh, Into leader Padder Tobin says he'll be giving his increase away to local charities. So he is taking it. He's just giving it away to local charities. Sinn Féin say they won't be taking it. Uh, Louise O'Reilly said that they always hand back any raises. She claimed the salaries are excessive. She said TDs are already paid an excessively high salary. We don't take the pay rises. Where does it go then? If, if, if someone says, I'm not taking the pay rise, where does it go? Does it go back into the exchequer or what? Other TDs, uh, the independent Thomas Pringle said he won't take it and said the TD salary is too high. Now, there was one rural TD said he'd be better off running his own business outside of politics. Uh, Fianna Fáil's Mark McSharry is taking the pay rise. He said, I accept the pay I receive for the job I do. It's independently set and linked to a specific grade in the civil service. That is true. They don't set their own salary. It's it's set through a civil service agreement. A lot of them say they're paid too much, although Kieran Cannon of Fine Gael said he wouldn't be handing back the pay rise because he says that um, TDs are paid very well and very fairly for their work. And another TD says maybe we should look on county managers. They earn more than 140 grand. Uh, okay, hundred yes, hundred and forty grand is what county managers. I don't know what you think of a TD's salary. It's a hundred and as of today or as of this week, their salary is one hundred and two thousand 
204 euro per year. In Germany, they pay their, their, their I don't know what they call them, they obviously don't call them TDs, but let's say, just say they did. In Germany, they pay their TDs 120,444. In Spain, the lowest in the EU, they paid them 36,600. Portugal, 43,000. Belgium, 66. Finland, just under 80,000. France, 86,000. The UK, 96,000. That's euro. Norway, 101. We're now paying 102. So we're third highest in a selection of EU salaries for TDs that the sun did. 0818-969696. Because it's Friday, and let's have a fair figure here. Because it's Friday, what would you think is a fair salary for a TD? A fair one now for a TD. Given that, to be, to be fair to them, and I've met TDs on holidays, so They'd be on holidays and some fella will come up to you in a bar in Santa Panza and go, come here you, can I talk to you about my mother's pension? They will. So you're never really off. But what is a fair salary for a TD, would you think? The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie on Cork's 96FM. To the junior search and the fact that there are no results yet. Kevin. Morning, PJ. How, how are you? Fella? Get rid of it, you say? I think... I do, get rid of it might be a bit strong, but what's the point of it? I mean, if the point of it was to use the junior cert, okay, these are the subjects you're going to take in, into your leaving cert cycle, then it's pointless. Because... They're, they're six weeks into it already, and they've picked their subjects, mm. so it's not there for that. And I thought we were meant to be going on a thing of um, continuous assessment. Wouldn't it make more sense to have end-of-year exams every year, up until the up until fifth year, and then you go into the leaving cert cycle then, mm. rather than pile on a load of pressure onto them in third year, and then almost like an afterthought, oh, here are your results sometime in October, maybe if we can get around to it. Yeah. You know, I think back when we were in school, back in the old days, <laughs> you know. Careful now. <laughs> but I know plenty of people who left school at the, at the group cert and then went, you know, and another group would leave at the, at the inter cert. Yeah. Those days are well gone. They're oh, they well are. and truly over. Yeah. So if it's a point that we're keeping the junior cert cycle as a nostalgia thing, and it's because we've always done it this way, yeah. you know, then, okay, that's one argument. But if you haven't got a point to it, then you're, we're doing it, we can mm. do it differently. Maybe we can do it better. That's the only, that was my only way of looking at it. I thought I came into the conversation about halfway through, and you were talking about the results not coming out yet. I'm past that now, thank God. I've only got one left in doing the leaving cert. Mm. But, like, I remember all my, all my three when they were doing this, they were stressed to the gilders going into the juniors. It was their first real proper state mm. exam. Is, isn't that, Kev, in a way, though, 
uh, that's one mm. argument for holding on to some kind of a written exam oh, yeah. because life is full of them. Yeah, and that's why I'd, I definitely would have an end-of-year exam every year. And you can structure it however you like. You don't have to have outside examiners doing it, but you can have the conditions such as this is going to be the equivalent of the state exam for first years, for second years, for third years. And you just don't have to have the importance that's put on it because these ki- every kid starts school in fifth year, or sorry, in first class, and they're right, by the time I'm 16, it's going to be this year, and I'm going to be doing my junior cert, and mm. they plan it out in their heads, you know, in their quiet moments, and it builds, it slowly builds every year, it's getting closer, it's getting closer, and the pressure that's yeah. on these kids when it comes to exams, and it's pointless, because we see now it's pointless, because they don't have the bloody results. Yeah. You know, and it would be a good thing if the results, like I said, were to gauge what subjects am I strong on and what am I going to do for my leaving cert and what am I going to do for the rest of my life, then fine. But it's really not that. It never was that. Mm. So maybe do it differently, take the stress off of them mm. and look at it a different way. It, it, is a bit, it is a bit old hat in the form in which it, it currently exists. So too, of course, as we know, is, is the leaving cert. Kev, thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. What would you do with the, with the junior cert? Would you do away with it or change it? Given their flipping results for now would be a good start, I guess. Thanks, Kev. 0818 96 96 96. You must, at this stage, have heard or read or seen something about the uh, Irish dancing scandal. Uh, fesh fixing is the buzzword. Fesh gate is another one. Where Irish dancing fashioner, held under the auspices of a governing body called Commission Narinke Gaelica, pardon my awful pronunciation, are fixed. Right, left and centre. The papers are full of it again today. Now, there are a couple of different... This is the problem with Irish dancing. There are a couple of different world organisations. But this is just one of them. On Comishun, Lorinki, Gaelica. And the allegations are shocking. In the Irish Daily Mail today, for example, it says, up to a dozen Irish dance teachers and judges colluded to fix the All-Ireland Finals according to scores of explosive text messages obtained by the Irish Daily Mail. This is, this is like river dance on steroids. This is gas. Now, I have to say, because I have two friends, and I won't name them, I have two friends who are internationally qualified teachers, adjudicators and judges, and would know this game inside out, backwards and sideways. Um, and were telling me years ago, years ago, that there's a lot going on under the surface. But now it's all over the newspapers. Uh, and it's, it's a bit shocking. At one, there actually have been allegations, and I stress their allegations, of actual favours being exchanged to bump kids up the judging list. Like, it's, it's bizarre, Kate. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Well, no, it's the parents I blame because they're paying somebody to bring their child in to number one first or second or whatever yeah. and also um, I don't blame the children at all because they're not doing it they're not rocking up to the judge with money in their hand and saying you know can you put me at, you know, to first place yes. and also would they ever get rid of the heavy heavy old fashioned dresses and the weeks and bring it into this into the modern era you would look because the dresses take, they di- distract from the dance there's yeah. too much going on in the, in the outfits and just keep it simple like river dance and then look at the dancers 
This is where this discussion kind of started. And I remember talking about this on the program years ago when someone someone rang me about a dress, a dress now, for their their daughter had qualified uh, for a major fesh and they were advised by the dance teachers, maybe you want to update the dress a little bit because it's all about the look. The dress, you'd have exchanged the family car the price of the dress. For the price of the dress. And do, does the guy have to dress up? No. He no. Wears trousers and a shirt. Trousers, a shirt and a little waistcoat. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's something, you need to bring it up to the Riverdance modern look and just come on with it maybe in the back or whatever, just do your dance and they have to do the talking. But the dresses and the makeup and oh God, you know, they're like sort of clowns dancing, Irish dancing. Yeah. You know, it's rotten. Like it, it can be very pretty, but then you realise after the hair is held up with elastic bands, some is. of the socks are glued up. Yes, and, they're, and they have this big heavy wig on top. I'm sorry, no, get rid of it. It's yeah. time to move on. I remember asking my friends who, who are, as I said, internationally qualified judges and teachers, and I said, what's it all about? And they said, it's, it's just gone too far down that rabbit hole now yeah. to do anything no, about not. it. You, no, you can, you can get out of that. And I'd say a lot of people, to be honest, would be relieved that they just had to get maybe a little top and a skirt and off you go. You're probably right. You're probably yeah. right, Kate. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, I didn't heat. Thanks, Kate. Imagine the heat under those... Wigs, but the, the Irish Daily Mail has a, a good article about it today. So too does some of the other papers. Money exchanging hands, text messages, notes being passed in smoking areas. Hello, <laughs> notes being passed in smoking areas. The 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 um, mail has a very big spread today on page six and seven, and some former champions have been talking to the paper about fixing going on. Fesh fixing, which I think is a great name. Fesh fixing and fesh gate. And that's one argument. The other, the other side is the, the dress and the wigs. I mean, can you imagine the heat under them wigs? Like, can you imagine the heat under them, under them wigs? And there's money to be made, I may tell you, out of this. There's a lot of money to be made out of um, Irish dancing. But it just... It always looks so innocent and cheerful and joyful, and it's all of those things. It's all of those things, but there's a nasty underbelly of corruption. And it's a whistleblower who started writing to the media, who hasn't been named, and one doesn't want to be named, a whistleblower began writing to the media a couple of weeks ago about this. One dance teacher appears to be in a sexual relationship with a judge, according to the Irish Daily Mail. And while asking her to give a higher score to his dancers, the pair arranged to meet up in a hotel room. An Irish dance teacher based in America has now passed on messages and dozens more to the governing body on Comishun Lorinki Gwelacha. The whistleblower said she wanted to lift the lid on what's been going on for years. On TD's salaries... 70,000 is more than enough. They get everything else on expenses. I think 80 to 90 would be a good range, says Dara. 60 to 65,000. A fair salary for a team would be 50, and their expenses, but expenses must be vouched for. Does anyone know if they get allowances not only for attending the doll, but also for committees? Oh, they do. If you get to chair a committee or get a role within a committee, there's a little bounce for that. I think chair of a committee... Uh, and this figures out a date, but at one stage it was 10,000 you got 
for chairing a committee. So there's, there's a few quid in that as well. PJ, that's just their salaries. What about other incomes from travelling and from accommodation, from tax relief and rent and property and all that? Oh, don't go down that road, whatever you do. But yeah, they have a generous, on top of the salary of $102,000, they have a generous expenses package. They have to vouch a lot more now than they used to have to. It used to be madness entirely. Like they were able to, for example, claim in the old days pounds. They could claim 90 pounds per night in Dublin. But a load of them were staying in places that you kind of got for 40 or they run deals with the hotels. Perfectly above board now. Perfectly above board. They were able to run a deal with the hotel. They still got their 90 but they were able to, you know, use it for whatever they wanted. Oh, wait, but that's all changed now. That's all changed. And, of course, mileage is off the charts entirely. It's very well paid. Let's just say that. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Friday, it's nice to have good news on a Friday. And sitting opposite me in Studio One is a man with good news. And it's nice to have good news, particularly from our beloved Cork Airport the, 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 the old slogan was small airport with a big heart and that, that's going back a few years now do you remember that one Barry Holland or would you like to adapt it and reuse it good morning to you good morning PJ we've, we, we, we've adapted it slightly but I think the ethos is still there I think people love the airport people are very proud Corkonians are immensely proud of their own airport mm-hmm. that's where the, the big heart yeah. Uh, mantra came first day and it's still there it's yeah. still there yeah I remember the old terminal and the days of the great Joe O'Connor Barry Roach Benny Neff John Smith you name it I, I've worked alongside them all in trying to promote the airport through the radio and over the media over the years so I'm a big fan of of our local airport Covid was a killer literally for business but you're back we are we are and it's safe to say that the recovery has been very strong just in the last month, just gone, September 2022, we experienced 97% of our 2019 levels of passengers wow. going through the airport. So it's fair to say that we're actually very, very, after recovering very strongly. In the year 2022 as a whole, we'll have 99% of our seat capacity back in Cork Airport compared to 2019. Wow. So we are effectively, after recovering the entirety of the number of seats available out of Cork Airport. And How many is the, routes is that? So in, over the course of the year, there's 42 routes entirely. The high point was in 2019 when there was 52 routes, but obviously other airlines have added on extra capacity over the last year, mm. which has enabled us to recover back to 2019 levels of full, effectively full seat capacity of 2019 levels. Mm. The fear was always we were losing out to Dublin. Dublin had everything. 2019, Cork was very strong. The fe- look, look at what just happened in the summer just gone by. Dublin had everything and we saw what happened. So Cork, is, what are Cork's plans for 2023 Barry, to continue to build? Like, what's the capacity? What, the, the capacity in terms of passenger numbers. What's the max? The, like? max? the max numbers you can put through the terminal in Cork Airport is 5 million. Right. But the building was built with a view to obviously future-proofing for few generations and allowing Cork Airport to grow over that period. By the year 2024, 
we anticipate that we'll be back to 2.6 million passengers, wow. which is the high point of recent in 2019. That was our highest level with over 10 years. Mm. So we anticipate that by that stage, it'll be, a, it'll be a steady recovery over 2023 as well. But by 2024, we anticipate we'll be back to 2019 levels, a full mm. recovery. We anticipate we're going to be the first state airport to be able to do that. That's excellent. That's excellent. What is the most popular and busy services in and out of Cork? Is it holiday, summer and winter or in terms of business? Well, if you look at the CSO statistics and what the top three routes are, quarter two, it was London Heathrow, Amsterdam, London Stansted. Mm. So therein lies two very important features of our business model at Cork Airport, which is connectivity with two major European hubs. The ability to book a ticket from Cork to any of the four corners of the globe and stop it with a, with a, with a brief stopover in uh, Heathrow or mm. in Amsterdam and fly on to wherever you want to go. That's, mm. a fantastic, that's a fantastic asset we have on well, our doorstep. I'm, I'm not sure, energy. Barry, that enough people know about that. Uh, I remember doing it. I've been, to, I've been to India twice out of Cork. I've been to Israel out of Cork. Obviously with a hub, a hub swap in between. Is it, can, can you go on Cork's website, as it were, and book right through? Or do you have to get a travel agent to do it for you? You can go onto the British Airways website. You can go onto the KLM website. And you can enter as your departing airport, Cork. You can enter in your destination airport. It will, and it will pull the combinations for you. You can book the ticket right through. The ability to check in, you can check in at Cork Airport mm. and get your two boarding passes. Your boarding pass for your first flight from Cork to Amsterdam or London Heathrow. And then your boarding pass for the second flight, wherever you're going onwards after that. Mm. The ability to have those in your hand and your baggage will be obviously transferred as well. Yeah, can you do the baggage transfer? Yes, you can. Yeah, because there, there, at one point, wasn't it, there was, a, there was a kind of a partnership going on between four or five different airlines and you could work them all out of Cork Airport. Is that, that, that's all still there. That's a code share. So for and a good example of that is Aer Lingus and British Airways. They're both part of the IAG group. So Aer Lingus and British Airways obviously have a code share mm. agreement whereby you, British Airways will sell Aer Lingus services on their website, which allows passengers to book from a through a through put uh, booking from Cork right through to wherever they want to go on the British Airways website, mm. it will allow you to go from Cork to Heathrow and Heathrow to wherever you want to go across the globe. Then mm. I was saying to you there before we came on, and I like to get out of the country once a year to the sunshine. Doesn't everybody? I'd go twice if I could. Um, but in the twenty odd years we're doing it with the children, uh, twice I've not gone out of Cork. Um, because it does, it's it it. I just love the the service and the staff are marvelous. It's it's a wonderful airport to fly out of. In terms of the actual facilities and the what's this word concessions that you have, the shops and the bars and the restaurants, are they back to where they were pre-COVID? So the what we're doing with the concessions is on a weekly basis, basis. PJ, we're working with them now. There have been some challenges over the course of the summer. You must remember that last year Cork Airport had a total of 250,000 passengers use the airport last year. It was, mm. a, it was a terrible year in terms of the aviation sector more broadly. So at the start of the year, there was a prediction that it was going to be 1.8 million passengers going to use the airport. That has been upward, revi- or revised upward to 2.1. But along the way, there have been some small challenges. And one of them is one of them is our, our, our food and beverage mm. um, facilities. Now, Cork Airport doesn't actively manage or run any of these food and beverage concessionaires. They're, ca- they're catering yes. companies yes. and they, they go to tender 
and there's a procurement process involved, etc. So we've been engaging on a weekly basis, but we're pleased that there's an offering from 4.30 in the morning, which is when the security screening opens, mm. right through until last flight, that there is catering facilities available at Cork Airport mm. for passengers. I did notice this summer as I flew out, and our flight was early, it was what, 10 four to seven in the morning on a Saturday. I did notice that it was a little bit spartan compared to previous years, but you're saying it will come back as business improves. Absolutely. And the thing about that is, is that, again, it's a steady recovery process, not too dissimilar to what the recovery is in terms of our routes and passenger or our routes and seat availability. It will be the same. Look, the challenges are being ironed out. We are engaged with our concessionaires on a weekly basis at this stage. We have a team engaged in Cork Airport with them on a weekly basis. They'll go where the work is. Absolutely. So, like, in one sense, there's going to be... uh, a very busy winter as well. So by the end of October, we anticipate having a full catering service available at Cork Airport. I know you have a list in front of you there on the desk of places we can get to. Do you want to go through some of those? So two of the more exciting destinations this winter are obviously our new additions. There's Mm. Rome and there's Newcastle. So Rome has been a heavily requested route by Corkonians and people from across Munster with quite some time. So we're delighted that Ryanair have obliged and put the route on. It will be operating on Mondays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. So there's a fantastic opportunity here for anyone that wants to get away for an Italian city break to Rome, fly out on Monday, stay till the Friday, or conversely, Mm -hmm. fly out on the Friday, stay for the weekend, fly back on the Monday. There's two other Italian routes we have for the winter as well, which is Milan and Venice. So it's the first time in Cork Airport's history that we've had three Italian routes over the course of winter. Newcastle is another new addition. Mm. It's uh, one of the premier nightlife uh, locations in the UK and the services to Newcastle will be operating on Fridays and Sundays. So again, perfect opportunity for a weekend there for a getaway. There is, and the service to Valencia was a new route that was introduced earlier this year for the summer season. Uh, We're very grateful for Ryanair to be able to extend that right through the winter season. And Valencia is a, a supreme destination. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's actually a good marriage between a city break destination and a winter sun destination. Yeah, it's a fine city. It's a fabulous city. Yeah. So they're, they're some of the highlights of what's there. You have as well other good city breaks like Paris, Edinburgh. There's daily services to Edinburgh, daily services to Amsterdam, London, obviously. Then there's Liverpool, mm. Poznan and Gdansk in Poland, which are uh, served with, by Ryanair. And um, Poznan is served on Wednesdays and Saturdays and Gdansk on Mondays and Fridays. So mm. perfect option for a weekend break there as well and there's Manchester and Birmingham as well so that's just kind of gives you an outline of the city breaks that are there for some of the winter sun then for anyone seeking a bit of sun over mm-hmm. the course of the winter mm-hmm. maybe to get away from the dull and gloomy Irish weather we have a fantastic range of destinations there's Alicante there's Faro and Cork will be the only airport in Munster to offer a connection to Faro this, this winter mm-hmm. which is uh, incredibly incredibly positive mm. but also as well it enables people who do have perhaps apartments in Faro to get out there over the course of the winter Grand Canaria Lanzarote Malaga Tenerife and again Valencia as I mentioned earlier so mm. there's, some, there's a fantastic range there they're all year round now though aren't they? Yes, the, they are. the Canaries and yes, the, the mainlands and the Alicantes all year round. Uh, the the Balearics Palma they're still they're still summer. Palma seasonal. Palma seasonal at the moment yeah. but again look we're always open to in, yeah. you know looking to see if we can In terms this. of negotiating a new route and I remember years ago uh, the people I named at the top of the show there they told me how it was done. So you decide say Barry you and your colleagues said you know we'd like to put on an extra flight to and just because I know the place well we want to put on an extra flight to Lanzarote for the summer. How does that process 
happen? Do you go to the airline or is the airline going to you and you negotiate? It's a two-way street. So what you have to prove to the airline is, and we have a very active and, pro, and, and, and um, proactive uh, aviation business development team at Cork Airport. So you have to prove to them that there's sufficient demand, but the airline will also then want to see if there's, the route is viable and that the yield is quite positive. Mm. So there's almost a trio of factors there. Cork Airport, if there's sufficient demand and there's regular research being undertaken mm. on new destinations, etc., if there's sufficient demand for a route, we will make the case to the airline and so the airline then will have to engage with them on a commercial basis mm. to see if they'll be able to facilitate or request to put on a new mm. route. But it's a two-way street and we're yeah. always engaging with airlines. On a weekly basis at this stage, yeah. PJ, we're engaging with airlines. So you'd go to them first? And then you try and cut a deal, is that it? That's, that's, that's part of it. I wouldn't mm. say it's the entirety of it because airlines and airports regularly keep in contact with each other. Mm. For example, you know, my colleagues in business development were in a routes conference in, in earlier in the summer in Bergen and Norway. Yeah, that still happens every year. That's a huge event. Isn't it, it is. And what it is effectively is that it's airlines and airports sitting down in the one room. You make your appointment to see a various airlines. It's a bit like speed networking. You go around, you meet your airlines, you have your facts and figures for them. Um, airports from an airport's perspective you'll have your facts and figures for them and you'll see if there's a possibility of adding on new services or increasing the capacity on yeah. existing services yeah yeah someone is asking me here I, 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 rem- I don't quite remember this but uh, we had 3 mil- 3.2 million going through in 2008 any chance we'll ever get back there do you recall 3.2 on the there was just so three point two. I wasn't working for the company yes. at that stage, but a three point two million in two thousand. I'm looking at you. You yeah. were barely out of school. <laughs> Not too far wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, three point two million in two thousand eight. That was the ultimate high point in yeah. terms of Cork Airport. We are we we were edging close to it before the pandemic. Yeah. It was two point six million, and the, we were growing on at a rate of twenty five percent year on year. Yeah. So the recover or the growth was very very strong. We're anxiously looking forward to being able to hit the 3 million mark again yeah. in Cork Airport. The troubles, the very well documented troubles of Dublin Airport over the last couple of months, it, does that make it, does that make Cork more attractive to airlines who say, you know what, there's another airport in Ireland and we can get in and out of there without with, without hassle? It's back to my, to my point earlier about, you know, viability, route viability, demand, etc. If there's demand for service, mm. if there's demand within the catchment, the core catchment area and for Cork Airport, that is Munster in the south of Ireland, if there's a demand for service, then the case will have to be made to the airline as to, to put on a route. But it's not just as easy as moving a, you know, saying to an airline, you know, move your aircraft to another to another yeah. airport. It's not that easy. Yeah, because that, that, that's a thing that came up when Dublin Airport was was a nightmare in the summer. Ow, can we not just shift some of these flights down to Cork? You couldn't really. It's a non-runner. No. Never going to happen. No, it's not, it's not, not never going to happen. At such short notice like that, you know. Yeah. And like, you, you, airlines have these, have, have services, you know, booked on their systems or put through their systems months yeah. in advance. They have slots booked in, air, right. in airports. So, that, that, that's, that's, that's yeah. a fallacy really. Uh, yeah, I know. It was put out there by some people as to just do it, but, you try to explain the slots like if your your slot is for quarter past three in, in Paris you can't say well actually we're leaving Cork now so slightly shorter we'll be there at five past you can't do that and plus you'll be discommoding a number of passengers yeah. a good number of passengers as well who book on the service expecting to fly from a, a, an airport and you can't tell them you know, yeah. the last minute just hearing a, a Thursday flight from Cork to Paris used to be with was it Vueling? Vueling Vueling, Vueling. it's part of the IAG group mm. so it's part um, it's same uh, 
parent group as British Airways, Iberia, uh, Aer Lingus. Mm. So Welling are operating twice weekly this year. They're operating on Tuesdays and Sundays. Right. They're operating to Paris Orly, uh, which is the closest airport to Paris city mm. centre as the crow flies. And it's a fantastic uh, airport yeah. to get in and out of in terms of getting at Paris as the city centre, but also for things like Euro Disney, etc. Mm. It's, um, it's, it's a great airport. So Tuesday in. and? Sunday. Tuesday and Sunday, though, and, and, and it, is, uh, it is operating. Another thing that comes up all the time is the cost of parking. It's pricey. Is that your operation or another one? It is our operation. Cork Airport has sole discretion over the parking charges that's there, but some of the best value parking can be found on the website at times. And it's, it's a, we always encourage passengers to book online because you'll get the best deals for parking mm. when you book online. Someone price. here said they paid €70 Euro for four days. I'm not entirely sure of the metric or yeah, of the sure, calculations, sure. you know, and, and, and that particular instance. You do, there are, long, you do have a long term anyway, don't you? There's a long term. There's, there's three car parks. There's two long term. There's the Express Red and there's the Holiday Blue, but there's also the, the short term multi-story car park. Mm. So we'd encourage passengers not to take, not to take, um, not, not to take, um, I suppose, not to leave it too late, yes. rather, and to, to book well in advance for car parking as well. I, I'm probably a, a nerd, but when I book my flight for my holidays in the summer, I then book my parking. And that's that's, you know, that, that's fair and then like fair play. That's 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 what that, that's know? a willing. But I'm to. I'm I'm super organised that way. I can't organise to tidy my bedroom, but I can do that. You know, um, someone here went to, went to Sardinia from Cork in July. Delight, delighted and so convenient, and that's been a popular one. Sardinia has been a very Elgero. popular. One. So there was there there was three new routes added at the uh, um, added on this year in terms of um, Ryanair routes. There was um, there was uh, Valencia. There was Alguero. And there was, uh, well, Ven- Venice was added on as well um, at the late, late last year. But, uh, uh Sardinia and, uh, which is Algueros in a city in the north of Sardinia, mm-hmm. uh, was, it's a, it was an extremely popular route. It was actually one of our best performing routes throughout the summer. That and the Valencia service as well to Spain. They were very well performing. And it just goes yeah. to show that people love, people love to get away from Cork yeah. Airport to these new and exciting destinations. Well, Valencia is well. a marvelous, marvelous city. Cork Airport staff, just amazing. So friendly. There's no other airport like Cork. I love traveling there. It's always so easy. And a nice pint in the bar as well, says Dave. I, I'll happily endorse that. To, to raise an old question with you, Barry, that comes up all the time. And, and I'm, I'm old enough to remember when you could fly several times a day to Dublin. And I'm old enough to remember it being done away with. Is there ever a possibility, do you think, that we could go back to a flight to Dublin? And well, use Dublin as the hub rather than have to go to Heathrow for a hub. Well, at the time, you must remember as well that the road network to Dublin was certainly not as advanced yeah. and as modern as it is today. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what rail services were there, but you know there's an hourly rail service. So, in effect, we were competing against two other modes of transport, mm. uh, which was the road, the motorway to Dublin, and the railway service. I wouldn't necessarily... Look, it, it's, anything is on the table in terms of route, route development, etc. Mm. But when the ability is there for passengers to be able to travel to Dublin by car, or for, not for, for passengers, for people to travel to Dublin by car or by rail, mm. you're, you're, there's, there's three modes of transport you're competing, or two modes of transport you're competing against there. Obviously, an air service would be the third. So... It's 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 a very competitive. It's market one that's there. never taken quite off the table, but it's not. Not necessarily, no, no, yeah. no, not necessarily. And and, and, and Belfast. Uh, Belfast uh, would be a superb addition to mm. the uh, to the portfolio of routes, and there is provision uh, in in the it's um, one of the agreements um, that was struck between the British and Irish governments in relation to you know trade and yeah. and uh, cooperation cross border that a Cork to Belfast 
service and and that would be a tremendous that a Cork to Belfast service would be there but it would be a tremendous addition we just have to go and make the business case to an airline to go. be able to operate and, it. That, and that's and like you said a while ago that, that's how it works so I, I know I was talking to the um, communications people from Ryanair uh, during the week and they said that they had more to come but they couldn't or wouldn't tell me is there, is there more to come in the new year from anybody that you can can you break any news well, I have nothing. I have nothing exciting for you today, PJ. Unfortunately, but I've, look, we're we're always engaged with the airlines. We're engaged with Ryanair, engaged with Lingus, the mm. European flag carriers. We're engaged with them with a view to improving seat capacity and to growing, uh, both with the existing services and adding on new services at Cork Airport. Mm. So our door is always open from that perspective. And at the moment, look, there is there is um, discussions ongoing with Ryanair. But we're hopeful that by uh, next year that and that there will be positive news. Glasgow or Brussels? Glasgow, I know you have Edinburgh, Glasgow or again Brussels. So Glasgow was served by Aer Lingus Regional, which was operated by Stobart Air mm. at the time. So Stobart Air went into liquidation over the course of the pandemic. And unfortunately, an airline um, is not, a, a, well, there is no airline serving Glasgow mm. at the moment. We have obviously engaged with a view to restoring the Glasgow service Brussels was served uh, by Aer Lingus uh, probably six or seven years ago at my estimate and it was there, it was in place but unfortunately the route uh, viability, the yield and the demand was not sufficient for uh, the airline to maintain the route but there is a very there is a very fine train service from Amsterdam Schiphol Airport to Brussels mm-hmm. uh, Mideast. So there, isn't a, there wasn't a business case for keeping it is what you're saying? It, look, airlines will look at this. Airlines yes. will look at the the metrics, they'll look at the load factors mm. and they'll see how a route is performing. If a route is performing well, that they'll keep it or perhaps even add on another one. But if mm. a route is not performing well, unfortunately, then they'll make a commercial decision to yeah. move it. We had a little bit of transatlantic. Um, it didn't It didn't continue. Would we ever see it again? We will. Uh, but it, it will take some time. Uh, there is a There is engagement ongoing on a regular basis with both European carriers and US based carriers mm. so the possibility of putting a service on to the east coast of the USA is aided greatly by the advancements in aircraft technology mm-hmm. whereby narrowbody aircraft will be able to operate services to the east coast of the USA we would be very keen to when we, our business development team is engaged on a regular basis mm-hmm. to ensure that services are restored to a transatlantic, our transatlantic services are restored to a mm-hmm. destination on the east coast of the USA. It's high on the priority list in Cork Airport, okay. PJ, mm-hmm. and we're actively working to restoring Excellent. transatlantic services. There was a Bristol one time, there was a Cardiff one time, but people asking here, any chance of them ever coming back? So again, it goes back to the same Business issue case. Of, of demand and mm-hmm. an airline service. So again, we'll make the case, we'll say that there's X demand yes. in Cork for a particular service. You make the case to an airline, but at the end of the day, it would be the airline to decide whether to facilitate a And the airlines will say to you now, that just, just doesn't pay us, or yeah, we'll do it, will you cut us a deal on the charges? And that's that's how these negotiations go. It's, it's, it's how the negotiations go. So we have very attractive incentive schemes at Cork Airport for both new routes and to extending capacity on existing routes. So the the incentives are... Are, are are very generous and they're very good and you know it's mm. it, it leverages the support of the wider DA group in terms of being able to offer these incentives as well. So what we'll obviously do is when we meet the airlines that we'll make the case to them, as I mentioned, yeah. decent demand, etc. Yeah. 
and then it's the, up to the airline then to make a decision whether they want to operate yeah. the route or not. You're new to the gig. You take over from the great Kevin Cullinan. You enjoying it so I do far? Indeed, absolutely. Kevin Kevin is, has not left the building, as they say. <laughs> Kevin is now group head of communications for yeah. DEA. So Kevin uh, obviously uh, keeps a very close watch on activity in Cork. Um, obviously, he's um, head and tail of communications when it comes to Dublin Airport as well. And then there's the international business, such as DEA International, Airy International, etc. So I am enjoying. I'm enjoying it. It's been a challenging year, nonetheless. It's mm. been an exciting year, challenging from a good perspective. Mm. Uh, You're a local lad. I'm originally from West Cork, living in the city, but uh, it's it, I, just the thrill of working for local airports yeah. is is yeah. fantastic. And of course, it's, it's, it's local airport, I mean, even though Waterford and Kerry have their own small airports as well, it's still their local airport and everything else. So, welcome. Welcome. As someone who's been going in and out of the airport, I'd say since before you were, before you were born, um, I, I'm, nice to meet you. Uh, one last one. I, I know you mentioned it a while ago. Situation with Alicante. Is is Alicante going to be all Alicante year round? Alicante is operating plentiful? for the winter as well. Ryanair operating a service to Alicante on Tuesdays and Saturdays, twice weekly. Tuesdays and Saturdays. Nice, nice little break. Barry, good to have you in. Thanks, PJ. Take Thanks care. We'll talk again soon. That's uh, Barry. <coughs> Mary Holland, new communications manager at Cork Airport. 0818-96-96-96. Hopefully some good news in there. And finally, Britney Spears says that she would rather do a number two in her pool than rejoin the entertainment business. Like she's adamant. She's no more, no more music, no, no. more nothing. We just played a song with her and Elton John about like forty minutes ago. Yeah, our pool cleaners have to put in overtime as well this All week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, she did it again. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars, Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noldc.com. Open twenty four seven. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Back to Irish dancing. Fesh gate. Fesh fixing. It's all over uh, your newspapers, but it has been going on for a while. People have been talking about it quietly for a while. Mary? Hi, PJ. Listen, I'm just, when I heard that this morning, it just kind of, I suppose, triggered kind of something that I've always kind of felt since um, Riverdance. Mm. Like, it, there was, that was a watershed moment for Irish dancing. I think... You know, nobody can deny that. But Jean Butler in that wasn't wearing a wig, wasn't dressed in an elaborate costume. She had a beautiful, simple black, I think probably a black velvet dress and looked amazing. Why didn't didn't that element of it Mm. generate from Riverdance? Like, you know, they took the 
numbers and the exponential increase in the amount of people doing Irish dancing, interested in Irish dancing. And all they did really was, you know, the powers that be or whatever in the, in the whatever activity dancing, or right. the dancing, yeah. I don't know what you'd, uh, it, you know, it's, yeah, not, well, it's kind of a sport really, like kind of thing. It's you know what, it almost is. Super fitness. Yeah. It's super fitness. Like, you know what I mean? They're, you know, they have, they're they're like elite athletes in terms of yeah. what they have to do to perform at the highest if, level. If you've so ever I met a top totally dancer, like that, you know? if you've ever met a top dancer, Mary, at the height of their powers, the legs on them would put put Sean Kelly to shame. Right, you know, yes, you know what I mean, and it's absolutely the commitment, and you know what I mean, even the injury prevention, all that has to go in the same as it would elite athletes, but. My whole problem is the wigs and the costumes. Mm-hmm. From a young to put a wig on a child of eight years of age is just—I actually think it's a—you know—their body image, their whole kind of thing that they can't actually dance as themselves. That they have to become this unrecognisable person. I don't know if you've ever seen a before and after picture of oh. a normal child going oh, in their school uniform. Oh, I and, have. I'm sorry. I, I actually don't think it's acceptable in this. And why is it only the girls? Why don't the boys have to dress up in something the, there's outrageous? A bit, there's a bit of that coming into the boys dancing now, but but it's still fairly well, simple. It's compared fairly to the girls. simple in fairness. They have a shirt and a black pants. Yeah, you know what I mean. They, they're, waistcoats. Yeah. Well, I suppose the waistcoats then can get a bit outlined. But like, I'm just saying from a body image point of view, and yeah. there's so much of it. To tell a child that they have to... Yes, obviously, if you're going on stage, but you're dancing as yourself. You're not playing the part of somebody else. Yes. If you're going on stage and getting into a costume to play Henry VIII or something like that, yes, you're supposed to look some bit like Henry VIII. But to be put into clothes and have to adjust your appearance to dance as yourself when all you should be judged on is your dancing... Mm is absolutely wrong. And it's only because of the number of people profiting from the outrageous prices of the costumes. I don't know if you remember the film um, Ball, Simply Ballroom? Simply Ballroom, I heard. And like it was kind of classical in a way and we all laughed at how, you know, it was lampooned. But it's not actually that far from reality. Yeah. When you look at what is going on in Irish dancing, well, it's a very lucrative business, costumes, these costumes. Very, very yes, lucrative. you know, and I really think we had... And maybe this, again, like we had an opportunity to change the sport. It didn't happen because I think the people who saw an opportunity to make even more money out of it Mm. and did and have over the years. But I think it's now time when we see that the other things that are happening in the sport or whatever, that they need to now address all issues. Take a root and branch. Root and branch, I I was waiting for us to get to that little take 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 away all the elements that are detrimental or possibly detrimental, like kind of thing to this. And bring it back to what it is. You should be on your dancing performance, should be. And I don't think that anybody has seen a picture of an Irish dancer that looks better than Jean Butler did on that stage in Riverdance. That's 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 true. You're you're not wrong there at all. You yeah, know, yeah. it 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 just needs to be pulled back, uh, and especially you know, as I say, with all the problems with young girls and body image yeah. and all that kind of thing. Fair point. More people would dance 
it'll be fantastic. The more people that are doing any kind of activity, people can do it in primary school and everything. And But they cannot make, most people cannot make the transition from loving it in primary school to performing it because of these barriers. I wouldn't, my kids loved Irish dancing in school, but I would not go down the road of wigs and costumes. Just would not do that to my, I have, you know, a fundamental, and there's no other way of doing it. Mm, you're, um, you'd, you'd be, you wouldn't be the, the only parent I've, I've heard say that, Mary, over the years. Thank you. 0818969696. People seem to have two different issues with the whole Irish dancing thing. First of all, there's the story that's in the newspapers of all sorts of shenanigans going on to get kids bumped up the ratings and, and judges doing favours and maybe even money passing their allegations, I strongly say allegations of sexual favours being exchanged sexual favours being exchanged to get children bumped up the ratings. Oh wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Orla, you went on video yesterday about something entirely different. This is parking charges at the hospital in Crumlin compared to parking yeah. charges at CUH. And this is when you're going up there with Michael's wheelchair. Morning. Yeah, well... Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on. I actually don't attend Crumlin for Michael's hospital for Michael's hospital appointments. I attend Temple Street, but I have plenty of friends that do attend Crumlin for appointments for their children. And I'm actually originally from Crumlin, which is right around the corner from the hospital. And my issue is now, admittedly, I haven't been in C. I haven't needed to park behind the barrier in Cuh for quite a while and any time that I did I was refused exit on production of the blue badge now in Crumlin parents on production of their blue badge get the the barrier is lifted yes there's no charge to the parent so and it makes in, life you go, in, you go in with the with the child in whatever vehicle you have you go yeah. about your business and then coming out you show the blue badge. Is it to an attendant? Um it is to an attendant, yeah. Okay. And then they just and let you out. They are let out. Yeah. yeah. But you don't but want I any don't such think session in Cork. No. And any time that I've asked and pressed the buzzer on the way out, I'm told no, I have to pay. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you would be able to help clarify if this is the case if what is the case in Cork. Yeah. Because, because I know that blue badge, for example, if you go downtown and you have a blue yeah, badge. Yeah, like we've free parking in the city. Yes, I was just going to And free parking, would you would you be free in the car parks? No. No, okay. But you're no, free in the streets. but that's not, a ho- like, it's not a hospital. Like, multi, I can't get into multi-storey car parks. And, well, I'm not comfortable going into multi-storey car parks because I drive a Ford Tornado, so yeah. it's quite big. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit claustrophobic. So I don't go into multi-storey car parks, but I do on-street parking and I display the badge only when Michael's with me because otherwise the badge would be taken off me. And... It's free parking. So why is it not the case in Crumlin or sorry in CUH yeah. for parents and adults of who are wheelchair users or who have a blue badge that when they're visiting somebody or they're in an appointment in outpatients that there's an exit yeah. when they press the 
button to exit that they don't have to pay because we have enough going on. It's cost of living crisis at the moment. And I think it's ridiculous that parking charges still exist for wheelchair users who undoubtedly have to attend regular appointments yes. in the hospital. It could get very expensive if you're paying all the time. So, yeah, let's yeah. Find, that, find that out for sure. I know you, you say, and you're quite honest about it, you haven't been to COH in, in quite some time. Um, but Yeah, but well, I haven't needed to park behind the barrier. I've yeah. been in COH quite a bit, but I've always been luckily enough because I manifest every uh, space (laughs) so I always get one (laughs) and I know where the sneaky ones are so I've always been lucky but someone's not going to be as lucky as me getting a space and having uh, having to pay So does someone with a blue badge have to pay in CUH? Uh, Yeah yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're fascinated here because Emer wants to know what does she mean manifest? <laughs> I just when I'm driving into the hospital, <laughs> I'm like, please be a parking space available. I don't care where it is, just please. And I do, or I do two routes of the where the pediatric, um, the pediatric door, like the nearest door to the pediatric. And then if I've, I go down the other side towards A and E. And if I don't get a space, I go back up and there's always a space for me. So I'm always quite lucky. (laughs) It's just hoping and wishing that there is something. You're asking the universe for a space. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And does the universe (laughs) deliver? 90% of the time it has, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not one for manifesting. No, but that's, that's like it's. That's a different version of me driving up and down. For oh, Jesus, give me a space. <laughs> <laughs> manifesting. A lot of people are doing that though these days. Manifesting things into their lives, jobs, and boyfriends, and car parking spaces, etc. <laughs> yeah, manifesting car park space in Coh is always needed. <laughs> Lastly, Orla, how's himself? He's good. We were um, we were away for a while in the UK. Um, I had a bereavement, and he was he was absolutely amazing. And he's just gone back to school this week. But because we were away in a different country, I wanted to keep him off for a week, just so he didn't bring a different variant of COVID into the school. (laughs) He's had it twice, PJ. So I'm I'm done with the whole COVID in this house. You 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 and the rest of us, Orla. Thanks a lot. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Let's be sure that what is the situation with blue badge? If you go in behind the barrier, the parking barrier, in CUH, does your blue badge? Get your free parking. In Orla's recollection, it doesn't. Whereas in Dublin, if you go into the Crumlin Hospital for Sick Children up there, it does. Um, it does get you free parking, the blue badge. 0818 96 96 96. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Fresh from some stunning performances at Electric Picnic, DJ's Deck Pearce and Jenny Green have been announced alongside King Kong Company to headline three shows at this year's Guinness Cork Jazz Festival from Friday, October 28th to Sunday the 30th. They're also joined over the weekend by Mac Fleetwood and New Power Generation. 
concert of the Guinness Cork Jazz Festival at Triscoll begins with a double bill with two Irish acts, Notify and Aoife Doyle. The show takes place on Friday October 28th with tickets on sale now from triscollartscentre.ie Access All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. We were doing uh, TD's pay earlier on and how much you think is fair. And I gave you a list of how much TDs, for want of a better word, they all call different things, are paid in different countries. We're something like third from the best. Germany, 120,000. Spain, 36,000. Euro. Someone else here just sent in comparisons of heads of state uh, in terms of US dollars. Uh, Miggledy is doing very, very well now. Very, very well indeed. I'll give you that sometime between 11 and 12. And also, Gordon Ramsay had a conversion this week. Gordon Ramsay has now admitted that pineapple on a pizza might be okay. And he's added Hawaiian pizza to one of his menus. I am a big advocate of pineapple on a pizza. I put it on any pizza. Some people love it, some people hate it. Pineapple on a pizza, absolutely, absolutely. And Gordon Ramsay just finally joined, he joined the the real world by putting pineapple (laughs) on a pizza. Sun, Silver and Styles on Cork's 96FM. Yep. Sun, Samba and Styles from Cork's 96FM live in Rio on the 8th of December. That's where he's gigging and we're going to send somebody there. We'll fly them over, put them up for five nights and give them some spending money and send them to see the Love on Tour gig. Harry Styles. Michelle O'Leary in Kilworth was listening out for the hits of Harry. Hi Michelle. Hi PJ, how are you? Good, big fans in the house. Yes. I have a few daughters here that love him. Yeah. Would you be into him yourself? Yeah, I listened. I'd know the songs, yeah, and from One Direction and all that, yeah. We'd yeah. know him all here. He's kind of the biggest pop star in the world at the moment. Yes, he is. Yeah. And have they have they got tickets for Slane yet, or what? No, they didn't. No, they didn't get them at all this time. Right. Well, Not this time they were hoping to, but they could They could go yet. Yeah. We don't know yet. Well, let's, let's see if we can get them to Brazil, because I think they'd probably prefer that. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, 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 it tends to rain in Slane. It doesn't rain quite so much in yeah, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All yeah, right, yeah, a question for you then. All right, the answer yeah. is A or B. Harry Styles is a supporter of which Premiership football team? Is it A, Arsenal, or B, Manchester United? Is it A, Arsenal, or B, Manchester United? Is it A? Is it A or B? Is it A or B? A. Will I give it to her? Will I give it to her? Ah, it's Friday. I'll go on. (laughs) I'll be slaughtered. I'll be filling out forms until next payday (laughs) to say why I gave it to you. Go on. Sorry, visit. All right, thanks a million. We have your details. You're gone into Thank the draw. You. Okay, cheers. Bye. Take care. Thank no, you, William. Bye, 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 Michelle. It's in Parknagopal in Kilworth. And I will, I'll be filling out forms now until payday um, and beyond as to why I did that. I did it because it's Friday and she's nice and I tried to help her and yeah. 
Oh, go on. Simon's got more qualifiers later. So does Lorraine. Sun, Samba and Styles. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. I'm just looking at a set of figures here and I don't believe it. Middle um, D. Higgins is paid more than the US president. That's true? Yeah, Megan, the US president's salary is $400,000. Joe Biden, $400,000 a year. And he gets to live in the White House and they have a residence. They have everything in the White House. Uh, like everything. Um, so he gets a house <laughs> as well for his four years. $400,000 he gets. And comparing that to other world leaders, the Australian uh, leader, 495000 US dollars. So paid more than paid more than Joe Biden. The Canadian is it Mr. Trudeau? $290,000. The president of the European Union, the European Commission president, four hundred and forty. That, that's um, it's von der Leyen, isn't it? 447000 US dollars. It's the equivalent. French president, Mr. Macron, $194,000. German chancellor, $268,000. Vladimir Putin, Earns less than Joe Biden, considerably less than Joe Biden, at $136,000 for Vladimir Putin. Poor old Vladimir Zelensky might as well be on the dole. He gets 11600 US dollars for running Ukraine, poor old devil. If you're sorry for him on many levels, wouldn't you? Miguel de Higgins, Michael D. His salary in terms of US dollars is 401 thousand US dollars. So he's paid one thousand dollars a year more than than um, than Joe Biden. And he has a high, nice house, a decent house to live in as well himself and Sabina and the dogs. So this is the nice money if you can get it. I wonder should I run for president myself someday. 0818 96 96 96. Thanks for those figures, whoever sent them in. Strange hobbies. Cloda, Cloda, formerly of this parish, Cloda used to work here for many, many years. You'd recognize her voice the minute she talks to me because you'd recognize her voice from the street fleet from years ago. But Cloda, I picked up on this on your Instagram a year or two ago. You've got this strange hobby of sneaking around old buildings abandoned buildings taking photographs morning morning um yeah shh, don't tell too many people because i could get in trouble for that well um you, you put it up on your instagram <laughs> yeah i love to put up my, so i love to research preferably old very old castles or manor houses and then go find them and then find a way into them and then take pictures around them now obviously we don't break in or anything you actually find a lot of these properties either the front doors are wide open or all the windows are missing out of them because whoever owns them has just forgotten about them just left them to fall to rack and ruin yeah yeah and sometimes you might have to ask permission would you ever um i can't say that i have because like i said a lot of them 
are on grounds that it's just totally derelict. It's just left literally to fall apart. And a lot of the times I find them because other people that I follow on Instagram have already been in them. So then I know, okay, look, you can actually, like, there's other people around the place. They've been in, they've seen it themselves. Have you been to many strange places around Cork? Like, have you been to places like that? that, that, is Is that a house or an old abandoned house or castle that was on top there on the straight road, up on top of the hill on the straight road. Have you been there in places? Oh, like uh, no, because that's actually owned by someone, and um, it's been done up. So it's an oh, really? it's an actual residence. Yes, yeah. So that wasn't abandoned. It was just being sold, and then somebody was putting money into it to renovate it. Yeah. So what but I you... was in Dunboy Castle. Do you know that one in in uh, West Cork? Yes, I, you got in there. I, m- I remember you doing that. That's fascinating. Inside. Yeah, and that fascinating and I have to say it actually took my breath away as you come around the corner it was like a Disney princess castle up in the landscape right next to the water it was such a tropical amazing location it was shocking to me that it was just left abandoned I mean it's not anymore now it's being turned into a hotel but at the time the windows were smashed it was totally just left there Wow How do you find them? Do you just literally look out for them as you go or is there a little community on Instagram that shares experiences or what? Um, I I find that most people who do do the same thing are quite um, secretive as to the locations of places because like myself and other people, I don't do any damage to get in there. I don't do any damage in there. I don't take anything because you find a lot of those houses have a lot of stuff like very ornate mirrors and furnishings and everything still left in there. Really? So, yeah, I think that you have to be careful who knows about it because you'd have the opportunists that would come in and fleece it. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, people are can be quite secretive about the location so that people don't come along and steal yeah. staircases and yeah. fireplaces, and, you know, and, all those kind of things. And they would, and they would. What's the, yeah. maddest, what's the maddest place you've ever found? I think the creepiest was Heatherside in Donorail in oh, Cork. I remember that place. Was, That's abandoned now, is it? Yeah, and it's it was like its own little town. It had a beautiful manor house and a, the nicest little church and yeah. all these different buildings in this super scenic location. It was very creepy, but also very surreal at the same time that it was just, it's as if people just disappeared from there. Which, which they did. They, I was there the day they left, believe it or not, Clodagh. That's not been abandoned for a long time. That's that's only recent time. I know the church. And I, it's, like, you're really, you're yeah. right, it's like a little country village. That was a care. That was a yeah. care home, and I remember going down there the day that they moved out. And you'd find now when we went in there, the manor house had totally been stripped. Like the staircase was nearly all gone. Anything uh-huh. that was worth anything, or that was you know a vintage piece of furnishing, was all taken. Yeah, and that you're right. It it had been beautiful in its time. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's 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 fantastic. Come here. You're up to something, and I know you want to tell me about it. Uh, raising funds for breast cancer awareness? Yeah, as October is the month for breast cancer awareness. So the company I work with is called Final Bend. It's a Cork-based company owned by a 21-year-old Cork girl. And she we've teamed up with a Dublin-based female-owned company called How Rad Studios. So for the month of October, to raise awareness in the younger cohort of people, because our demographic would kind of be under 30s, mm. That, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you should still be doing self-checks to make sure that everything is okay. So for the month of October, we're sending out self-check leaflets with every package. 
And then we also have our pink collection, which we're donating 15% of all sales for the month of October from the pink collection to Breast Cancer Ireland and how Rad Studios are doing the same thing. And uh, we've got a few influencers on board. So watch out for your Instagram page because they're going to be posting their little decal on their mirror with their pink product. And the decal says, check yourself. Well, check yourself with a little cute little booby picture just for added entertainment. But it's a good cause. And especially, I think, because our cohort is so much younger that it's good to raise awareness and keep it in their minds. I think sometimes when you're quite young, you think these things don't happen to you. But it absolutely can. So you have to stay on top of it. Excellent. All right, Clodagh. Good to talk to you. And we'll talk again soon. We'll meet you out and about, I suppose. That's you. That's Clodagh Haywood, formerly of the Street Fleet here in, in Cork. No, I won't get her to, I will, I won't get her to do the sign-off. No, she's killing me next time I see her. Uh, thanks, Clodagh. 0818 96 96 96. She photographs as these bands. Play. I, I remember that day. God, I'm ageing myself now. Something terrible, but who cares? It is what it is. The head beside... It was a care home, and it was up there near Butterfant. And I remember the day that they were leaving. They were bringing the last of the of the, the patients out and putting them into ambulances and transferring them into town where they were. There was a bit of controversy about it at the time, I remember. But that day, I got a walk around. And it is, you know what it's like now? It's like something that you'd see in, in an, an Amish movie. Because everything was made out of wood. And it looked at like it had all been constructed by hand. And it was quite beautiful, but it's sad to see that Claude tells us there, yes, someone was ringing to know, had she been there, she, she discovered it and said it was really creepy when she got in there. It's been stripped uh, of everything it had, which is sad to see. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. St. Luke's Charity and Home will host their annual lunch fundraiser on Thursday the 13th of October at the Maryborough Hotel. Celebrating their 150th anniversary this year, St. Luke's Home is one of Cork's oldest residential care homes and specialises in dementia care. All funds raised from the event will go towards supporting St. Luke's services and in particular the dementia unit and the local free community dementia service. For more information on the event and how to donate, visit stlukeshome.ie. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. You just forgot to mention they're talking to Cloda. There's a brilliant Instagram account that has photographs of all these abandoned places. It's called Abandoned Ireland. Abandoned.Ireland. They had one recently which made it made Cork go. They found a house they called it Mrs. Ahern's house, abandoned and left untouched. It was left empty about 20 years ago and just had been sitting there, growing over and over and over. They think that Mrs. Ahern just died and, and the house was left abandoned. There were birthday cards for her 90th in the kitchen. There was a car that had been almost new but left abandoned and there was plants growing in it. It's all there on Abandoned Ireland on Instagram, you'll find it. And we'll be talking to the people behind Abandoned Ireland on the show on Monday. 0818 96 96 96. The button is stuck out there. Thanks, thanks, James. Um, so, to Amanda on line three. Lux Inc. Tattoo in Mallow. I want to talk because, as Clodagh said, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And this is an unusual thing. We learn so much about cancer 
all year round on this programme, particularly when it comes to something like the Giving for Living Radiothon in May. But uh, here's a service that I haven't heard of before. Amanda, good morning. Hi, PJ. Now, you've been tattooing for quite some time, but you've only set Lux, Lux Inc. up recently. What's it yeah. for? Um, basically, what I do here is I do custom tattoos, but I also do the cosmetic and medical tattoos. So I tattoo the eyebrows, the eyeliner, and then I tattoo nipples for breast cancer survivors who've had to undergo mastectomies. And I also help reduce um, the scars as well as camouflage them. So from a small distance, it's very hard to see them. And I do that for like self-harm scars, surgery scars, okay. any kind of non-hypertrophic scarring. Okay. Where, where did you get the interest in this from? Um, ever since I was young, I've always had like an unusual passion for breast cancer patients. I, I don't know anyone in my personal life that's ever had it, but I just had this unusual kind of draw to kind of help them. Okay. And then basically once I found um, a place that does the training, I was adamant I had to do it because I want to give them a bit of closure after they've had this horrendous experience mm. and it just kind of gives them closure and it makes them feel like back to themselves again yeah. and it's not just for the women the men get it done too yeah. like when someone's had breast cancer and thankfully they've made a full recovery there's obviously some scarring yeah. and then they go for women particularly would go for do they go for implants or augmentation or what do they do and then you it have to you tattoo yeah it would depend on the person some people they may not want to have the augmentation done. Right. And they might just want to leave it as is. But a lot of mastectomies is actually only one side. Is so it? they'll get it a re- an implant to match the one that's there. Sure. And because they've had the mastectomy, their areola is gone and they're left with a large scars. Right. And that's where I come in. I see. And I kind of just help kind of camouflage it okay. and make them feel normal again. Make, that, that's really, that that's really skilled work. And you do the repigmentation as well. Yes. Mm. That's yeah. just basically to repigment the scar so it kind of matches back in with the your original skin tone. I see. You do eyebrows as well. I was watching I the Late Late Show interview with um, with Vicky Phelan recently and the poor woman's lost all her hair. But she seems to have these eyebrows uh, tattooed on. That's what you do. You do something like that. Yeah, I do. And I actually advertise it as well for like people that will go in before the chemotherapy. So once the hair falls out, they still have an eyebrow. So because sometimes they feel a bit uncomfortable about it okay. and they try and draw it on. Whereas with this, it's done. They don't have to worry about it until after treatment. I see. I see. So have, are you specializing in all that stuff now? Or are, you just, are you continuing to run a regular tattoo studio as well? Um, I do both. I'm very passionate about the cosmetic and the medical side, but at the same time, I also love doing my normal tattoos because like this month, not only is it Breast Cancer Awareness Month, it's also Miscarriage and Child Loss Month. I so I have a lot of um, kind of tattoo designs for that as well, as well as oh. tattooing like the pink ribbons for people as well. Sure. And I also specialise then in memorial tattoos. I see, I see. There's a... We've talked about those before. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in the ones for um, miscarriage and loss. What what kind of tattoos do you do there? A lot of people actually will either get a little baby angel or they might, if the child was born 
and they lost at a small age or a stillborn, they might have a footprint and I can tattoo that onto people or they might just have like a little butterfly and if they don't know the gender, like if it was a miscarriage, they usually kind of have like a paint splatter of um, the pink and the blue because they don't know the gender or else they might have had a nickname for the baby and then get that done. Okay. Very, very caring work, Amanda. Really, yeah. very, very, very kind and caring work that, that you that you do. They tell me those outside the window. Tell me it's your birthday today. It is. <laughs> Happy birthday to you! Thank you very and much. Continued success of Lux Ink Tattoo. And you know what I'd love to do? We make a note now in the diary. I'd love to talk to you around the time of our radiothon. Yeah. about that, about the work that you do we talk in more detail, maybe talk to someone that you've worked with who'd be yeah, happy to no talk to us because the Radiothon, just because I keep account of these things it's only 229 days away yeah so we will talk we will talk. Yeah, it's absolutely no problem. I'm very willing to do it. All right, all right. Cheers again. Cheers, Amanda. Amanda Long, uh, tattooed artist for a number of years, but she has set up Lux Inc. Tattoo Studio in Mallow, specifically doing cosmetic tattoos for cancer patients and things. That's lovely. That's really nice. 0818 96 96 96. On the hospital parking, talking to Orla before 11 about Blue Badge parking at CUH compared to Blue Badge Parking at Crumlin. Someone on the phone to say, up by the dental hospital, there are spaces for Blue Badges with no fee. But if you use the parking behind the barrier, you have to pay. Yeah, Orla is aware of those spaces. Thanks for that. But she was saying, well, why shouldn't you be able to park with your Blue Badge for free behind the barrier, just like you can in Crumlin? Which I think is a fair point. A very fair point. On terms of TD's pay and the president's pay, John O'Donovan was on to say, the salary of Michael D. Higgins could pay for an awful lot of therapy. Uh, he earns more than Joe Biden. Yeah, he earns a grand a year, dollars-wise, more than Joe Biden. There are 70 rooms in the Oris, and he hasn't taken in one Ukrainian refugee. It would be a perfect way of showing example. Thanks, John. 0818-969696. I'll go to Alima before the tune. Well, I, I will. Alima is the uh, doing public relations for the Dragon of Shandon, which, of course, comes up every Halloween. It's a remarkable, spectacular, colourful event of light uh, and sound and makes its way from Shandon down the Keys. It's brilliant, all lit up and shiny and scary. But they're in trouble. Uh, Alima is the project manager for the Dragon of Shandon. And uh, you need help, Alima. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, we've set up a GoFundMe for this year's Dragon. Yeah. Is it just a, a victim of the, uh, of the tough times? Well, look, the Dragon has always struggled with funding. Um, you know, we really endeavour to give as many free workshops and to make it as open to the public as possible. And obviously, you know, with that comes a cost. So we've set up the GoFundMe this year because there's that and, you know, there's the cost of everything's going up and it's making it a little bit more difficult. So we've just set that up to try and help us along. Do you get art funding or Arts Council help? We do, we do. But again, that doesn't cover enough, unfortunately, for the dragon itself. Yeah, it's kind of not. It's because it, it's there's a lot of work goes into it. There's weeks of work. It, it always looks as if it's balls and rolls of sellotape and, and sticks under it. Now, it's clearly more than that, but there's weeks work goes into it. 
weeks and weeks, like we're talking months, um, years, because the dragon's in its 17th year now. So, you know, we keep using the same things over, we're recycling stuff, mm. we're fixing things up that we made 10 years ago. Um, so it's constantly going over and over again to get it together. But yeah, there's a huge amount of work, there's a huge amount of people involved. And, you know, we really rely on the generosity of the public, not only for monetary donations, but, you know, to get involved, mm. to volunteer, to help us with services and materials, you know, transport and the likes. It's it's the sound and the way they glow, the way all the figures yeah. glow. It's marvellous, like, it's marvellous. So, yeah. there's a GoFundMe, where will we find that? So you can find our GoFundMe on all our social media and it's linked on our websites. Uh, we set a goal of €6,000. Mm. We're already at more than 1000 which is fantastic. We're really happy with that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're looking for people, if you have a little bit to spare in this month, and we know people are struggling, so... That's completely dependent on your own situation. But if you have a little bit to spare and you like the dragon, we'd love if you could give a bit. If you can't, you know, come in, get involved. Um, if you've got materials lying around, if you're a business that you're not using anymore, we use everything possible uh, to make these floats. If you're a transport driver and you can give us a hand with some transport, we'd love that as well. You know, it doesn't have to be money. Any way people can help is fantastic for us. Okay. And and what date is the dragon hoping to march this year or take to the streets? So the dragon is taken to the streets of Cork on Halloween night, the 31st of October, and it's going to be starting at 7 p.m. That's a Tuesday. Monday, isn't it, this year? It Monday, is. Bank Holiday Monday indeed. Bank holiday Monday, 31st of October. All right. Good luck with getting everything together. If you need any more help, you know where we are. Thanks right. a million. Cheers. That's Alima. She's project manager of the Dragon of Shandon Festival, hoping to get the dragon properly funded to go on his evil way <laughs> on uh, Halloween night, 31st. It's been good for years now. If you've ever, if you've ever gone to it, it's absolutely spectacular. Really spectacular. And they're hoping just to get a few quid in to make sure it can happen to the same level this year. This is a big night for Cork City FC. They can win promotion to the Premier Division tonight. Uh, lifelong, I'd say, lifelong Cork City fan. Uh, presenter of the score and, of course, presenter of Premier League Live, uh, Trevor Welsh. That's fair to say, isn't it, Trev? Li- li- lifelong City fan. Yeah, it seems that way, Peach. Um, 1984, I suppose, have been following the city since they were founded, really. Yeah, uh, which know, is 38 um, years ago, my friend. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. close to a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, covering them, I suppose, since 1987. Yeah. You know, so it is, a, it is a long time. Yeah. Now, tonight, they've, they've, they've had a good season. They they seem to stutter a bit over the last couple of weekends because they could have had this in the bag, is it, two games back? Yeah, they could. I mean, they haven't won any of the last uh, three home matches, four if you count the Monster Senior Cup. So it is worrying, you know, the home form. They've been brilliant on the road. Obviously, they only lost one match. That was to Galway a number of weeks back. But uh, you're right, they have been stuttering a bit. But uh, luckily, so have Galway. And, um, you know, the, I suppose they're looking in a way that Waterford started their great run too late. Uh, it's just going to be uh, too late for Waterford, probably the form team. But City can get the job done themselves tonight. It's in their own hands, obviously. If they beat mm. Wexford, simple mathematics, they, they win the league, really. Um, you know, their the goal difference is so strong yeah. that, um, you know, the other two won't be able to catch them. They're, they're virtually uncatchable, mathematically uncatchable, if they win tonight. And then they've two games left. They're away to Athlone next Friday and at home yeah. to Bray for the final yeah. night. Yeah, home to Bray, where the, the celebrations can really kick in. Obviously, if they win tonight, the city fans will celebrate. Tickets are, are flying. There'll be, there'll be over 6,000 outside there again tonight. 
at the cross uh, page to chair City on. And, uh, you know, after two seasons in the first division, it's not worked. A club as big as Cork uh, yeah. belong. They belong in the top flight. Uh, but um, the, the problem is that, uh, you know, uh, when they go up, um, they'll need to sign privacy players. And, and I know that Colin Healy is aware of that because they don't want to come back down straight away again. Uh, there's a big step up, as you know, between like, yeah. the first division and the premier division. There is a, it's a gulf, isn't it, Trev? It really is like... Yeah, yeah it is a gulf. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you could see how right in the cup matches like Treaty and uh, Waterford did beat premier division teams in cup matches, but they're once off. You know, when, when you're in the Premier Division, you need a very strong squad. You need a good budget. And you know the League of Ireland page is a merry-go-round. Players will go where the money is because it's such a short career as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the city will, will, will have to find players for uh, the Premier Division next season. I mean, they're short up top. I think they could do with another one or two midfield players, another defender. I think defence this year has been, has been the key Where uh, from last year when City didn't even make the playoffs last year. I know they're top of the league by six points. I think defensively has been the key with uh, mm. the experience of Kevin O'Connor and Ali Gilchrist coming back. Mm. And the form yeah. of David Harrington, you know, Biscuit's son. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Yeah, he's been brilliant, Peach. He's been called up for the Irish 21s. He's been over with Everton uh, for talks. So, you know, the future is bright for young David Harrington. Mm. And he's been a bedrock. And, uh, you know, I think uh, City, uh, you know, consistent team in the league. And uh, they'll get to... I think they'll get to tonight I really do even though Wexford held them to a draw the last time they played uh, but I think City with Big Crow behind him again tonight will get the job done there'll be, there'll be the home buzz and the forecast is reasonable I think for the evening as well forecast yeah. is reasonably good yeah and uh, you know City played good football as well like you know good conditions Matt, Matt Healy is a lovely footballer technically very good the likes of Barry Coffey in midfield uh, Rory, uh, Rory Keating is getting the goals up front Keane Murphy is good good movement and uh, I just think the city you know I spoke to Colin Healy yesterday in the press conference and I said how difficult was it to pick your strongest 11 for tonight he said very difficult because he had such a good squad now which is great and fellas coming back from injury page as well mm. I think he will kick on and win it tonight Alright that'd be great to see Trevor you are back on Premier League duty as well tomorrow afternoon on the app and on the website tell me something um, Manchester City I've been reading some stuff in the papers over the last last weekend in particular are they going to run away with it I mean is this thing going to develop into a competition at all this season yeah, yeah, it could it could happen. You know, we're uh, City up first in Premier League Live tomorrow and Talk Sport Live um, playing against Southampton. They should, you know, run over. And they're uh, obviously miles apart. We saw the Manchester Derby last week, Peach, where they rolled Man United over. They could have scored nine or ten. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, you look at Erling Haaland. I mean, what a player. I mean, he's a one-off. Three hat-tricks in eight games. I think the closest to that was Michael Owen. It took him 49 games with Liverpool to get three hat-tricks. Uh, but your man's done it in the eight games. Good 14 Premier League goals are received. I, I, thought, I, thought, I, I thought Michael Owen was 14 or 15 games. I didn't think he was that far. That yeah, long. For, for, 48, yeah. Your man's God. done it in eight matches. I mean, you know, he's going to break all records. That's some stat. That's yeah. some stat. Yeah, it, it does. It's starting to look like a bit of a one horse. But you never know. Things can change. Yeah, Arsenal are the nearest them at the moment. I think Liverpool have slipped away. They're 10 points behind them. They, they ran City close, obviously, the last few seasons. But Pep has won four out of five you know, Premier League titles. The Champions League is a big one that he wants to land. Mm. And the good news for Irish fans, Peach, is that Hallam will be in Dublin next month for that friendly against Ireland as well. So if he plays, obviously, I think he might. Uh, the Ireland fans will get a, a look at him up close and personal. All right. Excellent. Listen, good to talk to you, Trev, as always. Now, busy weekend ahead with the Premier League Live tomorrow on the app or on 96fm.ie. Talk Sport Live. Uh, thanks, Trev. 
We started the morning with the news that a man was due in court uh, in connection with the death of Thomas Dooley, uh, who died at a funeral in County Kerry on Wednesday. He was stabbed uh, during a funeral in County Kerry on Wednesday. That has happened in the last couple of hours. A man in his 30s has appeared before Kinmare District Court. That man arrested yesterday. And it turns out Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent was in court. Ralph, it turns out it's his brother has been charged with Mr Dooley's murder. Good morning. Uh, that's correct, PJ, yeah. Um, uh, Judge David Waters at Ken Mayer District Court this morning um, dealt with the, the murder charge. And Patrick Dooley, a 35-year-old man with an address at Arbutus Grove in Killarney in County Kerry, appeared on a single charge of murder that he murdered um, uh, Thomas Dooley um, at Rathas uh, on October the 5th, the last now, a Detective Sergeant Mark O'Sullivan gave evidence of arrest, caution and charge to the court and he said that the defendant made a single reply when the charge was put to him and that was that he said, quote, um, I didn't harm my brother at all in any way. That's all I have to say. Now, because it's a murder charge and the issue of bail can't be dealt with by the district court, so it was a remand in custody and Judge Waters remanded um, um, Patrick Dooley, who is a married father of one, uh, in custody to appear again before Tralee District Court next Wednesday, October the 12th, by video link. A second man was arrested, Ralph. Any development in that regard? No, we've heard nothing yet about that, uh, PJ. That man's uh, period of detention expires later today, so Gardy must make a decision either to charge him or release him. But we've, we have no further information on that. Right. Many thanks for that. Ralph Regal, Southern Correspondent of the Irish Independent, uh, reporting there from Kinmare District Court, where that man has appeared this morning. Patrick Dooley, charged with the murder of his brother in County Kerry on Wednesday. Mr Dooley arrested yesterday in Cork. 0818 96 96 96. Small up a lot of business before we pack it in for the weekend. We have a lot doing in 96FM over this weekend. There's a load of us heading off tonight to Kilkenny because tonight is Radio Awards night and there's makeup and there's hair and there's gunas and there's handbags and there's and that's just the women <laughs> going off tonight to the, the annual um, Rainbow Radio Awards. We're all kind of excited. Actually, here on the programme, we're, we're very proud to be nominated for two awards tonight. We're shortlisted for our coverage of Onakura, and we're shortlisted for our coverage of the issue regarding facilities for children with special needs. And uh, we're delighted to have been shortlisted in both. So we let you know tonight what happens. 0818969696. Something I've been delighted to be involved with for many years is Cork Teen Idol. Um, it generally starts around this time of the year, running in along parallel with the season of The X Factor. Now, I am out of touch with The X Factor. I don't even know if it's going to run this year. But Teen Idol is running this year and it starts every year with the auditions uh, and Liz Cosgrove Liz you're you're back this year back Sunday we're back on Sunday yes auditions in the Rochester Park this Sunday uh, PJ free of charge as per usual uh, 3 o'clock in the Rochester Park so we hope to see everybody there after a very bad two years of course on the young people and everybody in, in the country and the world I suppose at the moment but uh, no we're delighted to be back this year now again and hopefully we'll go strength to strength because next year we'll be 20 years in the making. I think the longest um, talent show around. You are joking me. Yeah, 20 years now next year. So hopefully we're going to have a big one next year and bring all the, uh, uh, please God, a lot of the older singers, you know, that were, that have, were part of Teen Idol through the years. 
So You're making uh, me feel very old, this Costco. <laughs> I know, I know. And you can imagine how I feel. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we're really looking forward to that. But we really want to get it kickstarted now this Sunday uh, in Rochester Park. And, um, you know, just to, to let you know that there's two sections, as there has been for, well, the Teen Idol is going 20 years. And the Junior Idol is going, I think, six, seven years now. So uh, it's juniors from seven to 12, and it's teens from 13 to 18. And both of them will receive a scholarship from uh, the School of Music for, under Dr. Trish Rooney. Um, so it's a great prize, and uh, it's, a, it's great fun as well. Yeah. A great way to, you know, make friends and stuff like that, you know? I, I, so, I've worked on some of your events with you over the years and had so much fun with you. I've been to the auditions once or twice. As well. The talent, I mean, we keep saying this, Liz. Yeah. I, we, we don't talk about it enough. The talent, the musical talent that's out there among our kids in Cork, it's just huge. It's unbelievable. And we, we, like, we genuinely just thought like it was the 13 to 18 section. We didn't think much of the juniors like years ago. We didn't think of even doing them until a couple of years went by and, and young kids were trying to say that there were, there were only like 11 and they were saying there were 13 because they wanted to come in and sing. So when we decided to do the junior one and you've seen it yourself, like some of the juniors are like, oh my God, they'd nearly have won this teen section in some of the years, you know. Mm. The talent out there is phenomenal from like all the youth of, of Cork really. And do you know what now, PJ, there really isn't any other stage that they can, they can go on to perform. You know, there's nothing there for them, you know. This year, like that, we've we've our our sponsor, of course, the School of Music, and um, we've Sai Advertising helping us with our advertising. But other than that, like as your previous caller was on there for the the dragons in in up in Shandon, uh, it's just impossible to get a sponsor. It's impossible, you know. know it's so yeah, it's, it's very difficult time, and we do understand that. So look, we're we have a lot of volunteers that help us out, and we're very thankful for those mm. over the years, and still have, well, and um, you know. So, and, and when people come out of Teen Idol, there there is a career ahead of them. I mean, I'm thinking in in particular of a young man we both know very well and count yes. as a friend, young Roy Buckley, uh, That's right. a, a former Teen Idol winner. Uh, right. Not only has he got recordings under his belt, not only has he got two he was two long listed Grammy awards under his belt. Yes. He That's is right. now touring the states with the Dublin right. City Ramblers. I mean. He is. Come on. He's, He's an amazing young man and still supports us to this day. Yeah. Uh, we also have a lot of other young people who went on uh, uh, Anya Carl, for instance. She's yes, working yes. in LA at the moment. Uh, we have two young guys who have been signed up by... Um, by an English uh, record company. Um, and the thing is, like, a lot of them have gone on even just to be in bands or do yes. other stuff, you know, uh, on a part-time basis. But a lot of them a lot of them have said that even if they didn't take the musical road down, you know, go down that road, it helped them with their careers uh, because the confidence that they got from doing it was amazing, you know. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that and uh, very de- I'm delighted to be involved in it all these years, you know. And... Uh, so looking forward now to getting kids out now on Sunday uh, to promote the auditions and uh, we'll have great fun on Sunday. So, uh, And yourself, of course, PJ, you're always a great supporter of ours. So thank you for that as well. Let you know? us know what's happening along the way and we'll certainly keep in touch. Liz Cosgrove, you're after making me ter- feel terrible old now. 20 years of Teen Idol next year, building up for a big celebration. But it's back. The auditions open, free, 
come along to the Rochestown Park Hotel Sunday, October 9th at 3 o'clock. And they'll stay there until they've auditioned everybody who wants to get an audition. Thank you very much, Liz. 0818 96 96 96. We started on a lovely story this morning with uh, young Tommy uh, doing his sleep out for the homeless and we've posted the link on our Twitter so you can help him to fundraise um, I'm going to pop 50 quid on it for him I was just so impressed with the young lad but here's a, a lovely way to finish up this Friday I want to talk to Andy Ferreira from Paladar which is a new cocktail bar opened on Bridge Street and all summer as I was walking in on the mornings that I walked in I was wondering what they were doing with that premises on uh, Bridge Street it had been a pub and now it's a beautiful swanky new uh, cocktail bar. Andy Ferreira. Good Hi, morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. <laughs> Big weekend. Place looks fabulous. Yeah. I saw some pictures. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a it's been a labour of love the last the last couple of months. That's for sure. And even before that, the the, the landlord spent a lot of time kind of um, doing up the building as well. Which look these old listed buildings that they they need TLC every now and again. Right. So it's um it's it's great to kind of give it a new lease of life, you know. And you need to as well respect the age of it and respect the vintage of it, and you've done that, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and look, we tried to do similar similar when we opened Cask sort of five five years ago now. Yeah. So it's um you know you can make something new, but you can still you can still kind of cherish the, the heritage of a, of a building and I suppose that's that's what we tried to do you know yeah you mentioned Casket of course you were there for a long time and the McCurtain Street area is just yeah. bouncing oh, I'm still in Casket are oh, you still I'm, there still my, oh yeah yeah no I'm kind of I'm involved in both of them now so it's, we're just a uh, we just had another, had a sibling, that's all. Yeah, know. very good. Yeah, so no, lonely the, children are always a little bit funny, aren't they? Absolutely. There's a, actually, Yay Cork, which is a wonderful website, has a, has a lovely picture of it. And you really have stuck with the vintage and stuck with the, with, with the ages. It, it's really, oh, really lovely. You. It's really, really Cheers. lovely. And can't wait, can't wait to pop in. But the area is, is, is starting to thrive and starting to thrive big time. Yeah, it is. It's, and you know what? It's sort of, I suppose from look from my industry, which is obviously bars and restaurants, um, it kind of starts at Moody, really. From when you get off the train, you know, you just have this like plethora of of bars and restaurants where you can go um, all the way down down to Paladar, and you could, you know, you could you could spend a couple of weekends alone just just visiting different different places. And I think what what really stands out for me is is just the kind of quality of them, um, and I think that's why the area is doing so well. Like you know, you have. Somewhere like the White Rabbit, which is, you know, the best barbecue joint in, in Ireland, hands down. You have somewhere like Shelburne Bar, which is just one best whiskey bar three years in a row. Yeah. You know, you have Cask. We've won lots of them. So all these everywhere and even the new places like the two new wine bars as well, they're, they're doing stuff at such a high standard yeah. that for um, it's, when it's, consumers it's do come up joint. to McCartan Street, they know they're going to get it's, it's they know a they're gonna classy get quality, place to spend know? time now. Yeah. And you've got Latin food in the bar. What can we expect? Yeah. Well, it's a Latin American themed bar, I suppose. It's look, it's a part of the world they would have travelled quite a lot in, you know, Cuba, C- Central America. Um, we're very familiar with Mexican food, obviously, yeah. in, in Ireland. Um, I suppose what we're trying to do is we're trying to broaden the broaden the horizons and show that there's an awful lot more from from that geographical area than than just um, than just burritos. You know what I mean? Like, so it's 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 looking at you know like from you know Argentina and Peru and Chile and oh, the whole wow. kind of area is in a bit of a global. It's in a bit of a, a, a bubble at the moment. So a lot of the a lot of the best restaurants in the world are in, are in South and Central America. So, um, yeah, we're just trying to capture capture some of that. Brilliant. You know, small Brilliant. plates, nothing too nothing too fancy. You can come in, you can you can try lots of different flavors. Super, um, super. And, and some great drinks. Cocktail, extensive cocktail list, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, extensive enough. Kind of, um, 
it's sort of in two sections. So one half would be kind of the more kind of Latin American classics that you'd be quite familiar with, like, you know, daiquiris and mojitos and palomas and drinks like that. Yeah. And then the other half is slightly some more kind of maybe sort of slightly forgotten classics, you could almost call them. Um, my, my bar manager, Oshin Wolf, has traveled quite extensively around the world and he's worked in a couple of amazing bars in, in America in particular. So he brings huge knowledge with him. Um, and yeah, it's sort of, you know, there's a bit of innovation as well. We've built a little kind of drinks lab downstairs, but it's, again, it, it's, it's innovation for the sake of it, not, or, you know, not just for the sake of it. It's, it's we want to do it when, it when it's necessary. You know what I mean? Super, so super. it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Exciting, exciting times, not just for Paladar and unconnected to it, but for the McCormick Street area in general. Thanks very much, Andy Ferretta. Good luck with Paladar, newly opened on Bridge Street. Also, a reminder that the new PAV, the PAV has reopened on Kerry's Lane. And to Chris Keating, old pal of mine, who is the general bar gaffer there. And looked very swish in the photographs the other night. But then he's just back from Lanzarote, so why wouldn't he? So good luck to everyone connected with that as well. That, I think, is it. It is the programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Keep your fingers crossed for us. We're off to Kilkenny. See you Monday, just after nine.